Well, hey, good morning. My name is Andrew. Welcome to Friendship. So thankful that you are here today. For those that are joining us online, thank you for being with us. Welcome to you as well. Let me get a couple pieces of of housekeeping out of the way before we start. Uh, I first want to say how much I love just worshiping with y'all and just these moments where, you know, I'm always thinking about what I've got to say in a few minutes, but just to get lost in worshiping the Lord, uh, man, so good. And Andrew uh, and the team does such a good job. He knows I love it when we do a good mashup. I don't, if you don't know what that is, that's when we mash up two songs together. So he always throws in one of those once in a while to humor me. But man, I love, I love to worship the Lord. So next week, uh, I just want to give you a heads up. We're we're in week number four of the series, the book of Jonah. Next week, Jay Sermon is going to be bringing the sermon next week, and he's going to be actually kind of wrapping up the series for us, and he's going to be looking at the, the book as a whole. Uh, he's got a good old sermon in the hopper that, you know, about the whole book of Jonah, and so he's going to bring a different voice and perspective, and we'll consider Jonah again next week as well. Uh, but I also want to talk about in just a few weeks... Uh, starting on September 19th, after we get past Labor Day, we're going to be kicking off a brand new series, a sermon series that's going to be 10 weeks long, um, and it's called Gentle and Lowly. And we're going to have some new groups that are going to start up as well. If you're lo- looking to get connected, this will be a great way for you to do that. But this, is, this series will be based off of this book by a gentleman named Dane Ortland, Gentle and Lowly. It's about the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers. And... Um, You know, we know about Jesus, we know a lot about Jesus, but the question is, do we understand the heart of Jesus for us, sinners and sufferers? And this is based around the the incredible words of Jesus when he said, hey, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And he's not just talking about physical rest, which I'm a big fan of. He's talking about rest for your souls. And he says that we can come to him because he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so this 10-week kind of deep dive is going to be all about looking uh, deeper into the heart of Christ for us. And so I'm excited for that. So um, there is a book that goes along with this, and we do have copies of of this book for you um, that are free to you. So as you leave this morning, uh, we'll try to remind you to grab a copy uh, at guest services out there. So... You know, our hope is that you'll be here for that sermon series. Our hope is that maybe you'll jump into a group if you're not in one um, and, and just dive into the heart of Christ for, for you and for me, for sinners and sufferers. So that's going to be, we'll talk more about that next week. We'll have signups available starting next week, but feel free to grab a copy of that book if you're going to actually read it, all right? Um, and we'll start that in a few weeks. I'm excited for that series because I don't know about y'all, but after these last couple years, I'm still desperately in need of rest for my soul. And so we're going to jump into this study, and I'm excited for that. All right, so let's jump into week number four in the book of Jonah. What an incredible story the book of Jonah is. Uh, It's, it's, as I've been saying, it's more than about the story of a a man who gets swallowed by a fish. It's, It's the story of a rebellious prophet. His name is Jonah. It's also the story of this renegade city that we know as Nineveh. But it's also the story of real people like you and me. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the story is about God. And I've been saying this each and every week. It's a story about God's great love and his relentless pursuit of sinful people. And so let me do a quick review of Jonah chapters 1, 2, and 3, which we've looked at over the last three weeks. We see God calls this prophet named Jonah to go and preach 
repentance to Nineveh, which is a Gentile city, not a Jewish city, but a Gentile city. And he calls Jonah to preach repentance, turn from your sin, turn to the Lord. But Jonah runs away. Jonah flees from the presence of the Lord because he wants to have nothing to do with this. But God, because he is a God of of great love and relentless pursuit of sinful people, he, he goes after Jonah. He pursues him and he redirects him. And he uses this through a storm. He tries to bring Jonah back to himself. And, and Jonah, he, he rescues him through this big fish. And then Jonah cries out to God in repentance, turning from his ways, turning from his sin, turns to the Lord in the belly of a fish, and God rescues him. God comes to his rescue. And what we saw last week in Jonah chapter 3 is that God gives him a second chance. He is a God of second chances. And so he gives Jonah this do-over. Jonah chapter 3 verse 1, it says that he calls out to him a second time. Same God, same instruction, same message, same messenger, Jonah, but a different response this time. This time Jonah responds in obedience and, and God gives him the second chance because he is compassionate and forgiving. And we see this further, his compassion and forgiveness on display as Jonah preaches this short sermon. You remember how many words his sermon was? It was eight sermons, which wasn't quite accurate. It's eight words in English. It was actually five words in Hebrew, okay? Just had to throw that out there. So it was a short message. And it wasn't even just about the message. It was about God using the obedience of Jonah because what he did through this, this short sermon was he turned this whole city of Nineveh back to himself through the prophet Jonah and through this message. And so this brings us to chapter four of the book of Jonah. And I'm calling today's sermon, God's patient, providential, persistent love. God's patient, providential, persistent love. And we're just going to Again, look at the love of God for sinful people this morning. So I want to ask you to turn to, to Jonah chapter number four. I forgot I brought these up here for props. Gentle and lowly, the book. All right, you can grab a copy out there. There's also a study guide for those of you that are going to be involved in a group, or maybe you just want to use this on your own. We'll have these as well for you uh, starting next week, but you can grab a book this week. So Jonah chapter four, if you want to flip there. Put on your readers if you need to, like yours truly. And we're going to read Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. So coming off the heels of, of Jonah 3:10, when, when Nineveh repented, and, and so God sees their repentance, and so God relents of the disaster he's going to bring upon them. He turns um, from judgment. Verse number 1 of chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. The fact that the people were repenting and that God was, was relenting of, of, of his judgment upon them. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, and this is that, that theme verse we've been coming to every single week. O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country, back when you originally called me? That, that is why I made haste to flee or to run away to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. God, I knew this was going to happen because I know that you're a gracious, merciful God. And so he's angry. He's, he's mad. Verse number three, therefore now, O Lord, 
please take my life from me, for it is better for me to, to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? And so Jonah, verse number five, went out of the city and he sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he uh, should see what would become of the city. Now, the Lord God appointed, and remember that word, we've seen it already once in, in this book, and we'll see it a few more times here in chapter four. The Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God, again, here's that word, appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God, again, appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. And so here we are in, in Jonah chapter 4. And I want us to see again God's patient love, his providential love, and his persistent love. And so first of all, his, God's patient love. God's patient love. You know, there's a song that is, is a few years old by a, a band that I love called Citizen, Citizens. And the song is called Kids. And, and I just want to read you like verse number three in the chorus of, of this song. If you, if you look in our digital bulletin and sermon notes, I've included the lyric music video for you, just in case you want to check it out. Verse number three, it says this, he loves us still, speaking about God, even when we are so bad, no matter what we do to be good, his grace is greater than that. And then here's the chorus that repeats multiple times. There's nothing better than to know we belong. We've been adopted by the father of love. Our brother suffered on the cross in our place. We are kids of grace. And I'm like ready to start singing. We are kids of grace. It's this theme throughout the song. The idea is that we're, we're kids of grace, that God is our father, that we belong to his family because the father of love has adopted us into his family because of what our, our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, did in dying for our sin on the cross. And so we are kids of grace. And just like kids and just like children, we're, we're living and we're learning and we're growing. We're, we're like children. Now, here's the truth about kids. Kids are fun, right? Kids are sweet. Kids can be cute. But here's something else about kids that you need to know. And I'm sure you know this. Kids can be difficult, right? Kids can be difficult. If you've been, ever been around a child, you maybe one minute like, oh, how cute and sweet. And the next minute you're like, spawn of Satan. Here we are. All right. Children are, are incredible, but they're difficult. Um, you know, they require tons of patience, tons and tons of patience. But here's the reality. So do I. So do you. So do we. So does 
Jonah. We're all like kids, kids of, of grace. And, and you know what you see here with Jonah, and I don't know if you caught this or if this came into your mind, but like Jonah gets angry. It's almost like he's, he reverts to like a little toddler. Like I don't, what, what's the phrase when, when a kid, um, you know, gets really angry, they throw a what? A tantrum. Some of you, they may throw other things. I don't know. But like I'm thinking of the word tantrum. They throw a tantrum. All right. So here's what I want to do for the next couple minutes. I want you to watch this video of some funny, cute, exasperating tantrums. All right. So check it out. <laughs> Why are you crying? Because you want to go to the play by play play. today. You ate all the bacon. You had about five pieces. No, I did no more. There's no more. I don't know. I don't think. What? Take away. What's the matter? Take away. You're very grumpy. No, I'm not grumpy. What? You want to watch Donovan Mitchell? Yeah. But it's time for bed. You really want to watch him? Yeah. I'm so sorry. The game's already over. We can watch him this weekend when he plays again, okay? I'm sorry. Okay. Theodore, what's wrong? What do you want for a treat? A bee broth. I don't like, I don't like cookies for a treat. You want, you want beef broth? I can relate to some of those. When I find out Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, I'm like, I want Chick-fil-A. I want bacon or tantrums. So I was just like thinking about this idea of tantrums because I, I see this tantrum in Jonah. But it kind of helped me as I was kind of looking, uh, thinking about tantrums. Here's, here's some different things to help explain tantrums. Tantrums are 
unplanned outbursts of, of anger or frustration, right? Sometimes for kids, it's like they can't, they don't know how to express this anger, frustration, and so it comes out in this tantrum. Um, but when you think about a tantrum, generally what you see is that the, often the reaction is disproportionate to the circumstances, all right? So it may be this extreme response to what we would consider pretty mild like circumstances, right? Like that's, that is quite the overreaction that you want beef broth for, you know, a snack. And so you're throwing, the, you know, melting down. Um, but here, here's something else that, that I saw as I was researching tantrums that it kind of helped me. So tantrums are a normal part of development. It's a normal part of development. So, you know, in a, in a toddler in particular, it's, you know, they're seeking independence and yet still kind of at the same time craving their, their parents' attention. And so it's, it's just this normal part of figuring out how to deal with emotions and how to express emotions. And, and I would say this, like, I'm not immune to tantrums. I've just learned how to keep them in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We've gotten better at holding them in, but this, these outbursts of anger and frustration. And I want you to consider as we, as we look at Jonah 4, Jonah's tantrum here and then God's response to it. All right, so if you go back to verses 3 and, and 4, you'll see here in verse number 3, here, here is Jonah's response to God's grace and his forgiveness of the people of Nineveh. Verse number 3, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to, live, to die than to live. Now, does that seem like an extreme response? Like, God, if I can't get my way, you might as well just kill me. <laughs> like, you might as well just put me out of my misery. I'm so spitting angry. Just kill me. And, but then you see God's response. And, I, man, God responds like a perfect heavenly father, right? Uh, way better than I would ever respond. Verse number four, the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Like, you know, as a, as a parent, it's sometimes like, you know, we respond and like, but he's just like, he's so patient here. And he doesn't condemn him. He doesn't say, don't be angry. He doesn't, you know, come back at him. He just asks him a question. How's this working for you? Is this doing well for you to be angry? And, and the reason, like, he just asks him this question. Like, God, and you see Jesus later on do this, where just ask this question because he cares about our heart, and he, he loves us, and it's this patient love. He wants us to, to reckon with, with ourselves and with our hearts, and so he asks this question. He wants us to contemplate and to consider where we're at, and so he responds. Do you do well to be angry? Man, this is an amazing moment of parenting here from God. But then if you drop down to verse number 8, it kind of continues, right, because God raises up this plant to give him shade, but then he, he appoints this worm to eat the plant, and then he sends this scorching east wind, and so, man, he's angry still. And it says in verse number eight, when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. Okay, so now he's, he's not just angry, now he's like hot and angry, and he's ready to pass out, right? This reminds me of like a day at amusement park. You're just hot and angry and hangry and all that stuff. And so here he is. And he asked that he might die. And he said, again, same thing. It is better for me to die than to live. And then here's the response again from God. Same thing. God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And here's this kicking and screaming. 
Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die, just like kill me. He's just stomping his feet here in the face of God. And yet God keeps coming back with this patient love. Do you do well to be angry? So this incredible patient love of of God. And, And what you see here is that the tantrum, it changed neither God's plan, nor did it change God's love for Jonah or for the people of Nineveh. It didn't change anything. He didn't give in. He didn't change his plan based on Jonah's reaction. No. And it didn't change his love, his, his patient love for him. And so, you know, for us, as we, as we kind of consider this moment, just one of the things that I thought of as we're going through this is, is that our tantrums reveal our need for growth. You know, I don't, I don't know if you recognize it as I'm working through this. I'm like, man, I, I throw some tantrums too often where I don't get my way. And it's almost like, God, if I don't get my way, like, I just want to give up. I just want to walk away. I want to stop. I want to take my ball and I want to go home. I want to stop playing. And, and, but our tantrums reveal our need for growth. It's a normal part of our development. It's a normal part of it. But it reveals that we still have a ways to go in our growth, in our spiritual growth, in our relationship with Christ. And the amazing thing is with this is that our tantrums, when we don't get our way, when things don't go the way that we want or the way that we plan, it doesn't change God's plan and it doesn't change his love for us. God's patient love for Jonah is the same as God's patient love for us. And I'm grateful for that because I am certainly a kid of grace. I need grace all the time. And so God's patient love is one thing we see in this story. But then we also see God's providential love. God's providential love. And and I pointed out, I highlighted that word appointed because we saw it earlier in Jonah chapter 1 when God appointed this great fish to rescue Jonah. But then we see three more times in Jonah chapter 4 this idea of, of a divine appointment So not only did God appoint a great fish, but here he appoints a plant and then a worm and then a wind. And God appoints every single one of these things. And and the thing that that we see in this, the thing that we learn from this is that God's hand is at work in all the events of our lives. From, From the big to the little, from the great fish to the little worm. God's hand is at work in all the events of, of our lives. Sometimes for good, man, sometimes it's, it's, it's through difficulty. But it's always to conform us to his image. It's always to, to, to make us more like Christ. And, and what you see here is as you, as you kind of look at this story, as you consider it, so Jonah is hot and God brings, he appoints this plant to give him shade. And it says that Jonah is exceedingly glad for the plant. And it's like the next day. It's almost like, I don't know if you've ever had this situation where you've had maybe one of your kids or you're watching a kid or, or whatever, where, you know, there's a tantrum. Do you ever kind of like antagonize a little bit? Like poke the bear a little bit? Like, oh, you're sad. Let me just like, and I feel like this is almost what God is doing here. Like, 
God brings this plant to bring shade because Jonah's angry. And now Jonah's happy. He's like, oh, I'm happy because I've got shade now. And then the next morning, he's like, well, let me bring a worm to eat that plant, to devour the plant. Let me just poke the bear a little bit. Let me see how you're going to deal with this. He takes the shade away. And he's like, you know what God is doing here? God is doing what he often does. He's testing He's testing Jonah. He wants to see how he's going to respond. I want you to look back at verse number six. There's a phrase in here I want you to catch. It says, now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah so that it might be a shade over his head. Catch this next phrase, to save him from his discomfort. So God brings this good thing into his life, something that he was exceedingly glad for. He was thankful for. God brought this into his life to save him from discomfort. And then God pulls it away. And it says, if God is asking him this question, will you trust the plant to save you or are you going to trust me? And he tests him. He, he's, he's testing him. Are you going to trust something else? Are you going to trust a good thing or are you going to trust God? Are you going to trust me? Because what Jonah was doing here was he was, and I've said this before, he was making a good thing a God thing, which is what the Bible calls idolatry. So God gave him a good gift, and he was thankful for it, but, but when God took it away, this was a test. Do you really, do you trust in me, or are you trusting in what I provide for you? And I want to read you this, this quote that I pulled out of this commentary as I was studying this this. Commentary says this, Jonah is more concerned with his own comfort and desires than with God's calling and will. God often puts us in situations and places where our comfort and desires are pressed. I love, love this thought here. Our comfort and desires are pressed so that they might conform to his. This is evidence of God's great love that he would go to great lengths to help his children learn to love the things he loves and to do the things that he desires. And so this is evidence of, of God's providential love, that God appoints things and he brings things to test us and to prove us and to, uh, to help us to grow, to help us to look more and more like Christ. You know, Jonah's, Jonah's was more concerned with his comfort and his desires and and God so loved Jonah, and he so loves us, that he wasn't, he wasn't willing to just let him stay there. And so he brings this hard situation, he brings this test to him, not to cause him to fail, but to help him to grow and to strengthen him in his faith. And, you know, and so for us, I just want to bring this reminder, again, that, that God's hand is at work in all the events of of our lives, from the big to the little. And we cannot lose sight of the big picture in the hard moments. And this is me preaching to myself. We cannot lose sight of the big picture in the hard moments. And the big picture is this, that God has a plan, that God is sovereign over all, and he is working to accomplish something in your life and in my life and in, in the world. And he will not stop until he accomplishes everything that he wants to accomplish. And in those hard moments, in those difficult moments, we can't lose sight of the big picture that even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of goodness, 
God's hand is at work. We're talking about his providential love. So God's patient love, God's providential love. And then we also see, and we've seen this all throughout, God's persistent love. God's persistent love. What we see in this story is that God loves the people of, of Nineveh, that great city, but also that wicked city, this, this, this city full of people that were, were absolutely morally bankrupt. In fact, it uses the phrase here that they, in, in verse number 11, it says that they, they did not know their right hand from their left. So, well, hello, am I serious talking to me? <laughs> Let me explain that again, Siri, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so point of clarification. I want to, we need to work on this. Okay, every time that something is unclear, Siri's going to just talk back to me, all right? That's okay. Can you amen to Siri? Um, thank you. <laughs> so here's, here's the thought. They don't know their right hand from their left. In other words, they're totally morally bankrupt. They are absolutely incapable of saving themselves. And yet, God loves these People. And I want you to look back at, at um, actually, l- let me read Romans 5, 8 to you, because the reality is that, that this was our story as well. Our story is Nineveh's story. Romans 5, 8, it says this about us. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we cleaned ourselves up, not when we got our stuff together. Even while we were still in our sin, God loved us. This is his persistent love. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, it says this, but God being rich in mercy, which we've seen all throughout Jonah, it says, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by by grace you have been saved. We were dead in our sins. There was nothing that we could do. We were dead men and dead women. We could do nothing to please God And yet, even in that condition, he loved us enough to die for us and to make us alive together with Christ. Nineveh's story, that's that's our story. Before we come to Christ, we don't know our right hand from our left. We are incapable of saving ourselves. But here's the thing. God loves the multitudes. He's always loved the multitudes. God has always cared about the nations, whether that's you know, city, like a renegade city with thousands of lost souls. We see like Nineveh, which it says is more than 120,000. That includes places like Camden and Lugoff and Elgin. Cities where hundreds and thousands of people need the grace of God. His heart is for the cities and the nations. But... What you see here at the end of Jonah chapter 4 is he always comes back to the one. God pursues this great city that has 120,000 plus people who need forgiveness. And yet at the end of the book of Jonah, God comes back around back to the one. Back to the heart of Jonah. This rebellious running prophet And he comes back to the one, and God always comes back to deal with the one, whether that's Jonah, whether that's you, 
whether that's your one, we've talked about it over the last couple of years, who's your one, who is, who is the one in your life that God maybe wants to use you in a specific, unique way to reach them for the sake of the gospel. God always cares about the one and not just the multitudes. And God, God keeps coming back to the city of Nineveh. He wants to reach the city, but he keeps coming back for the heart of the one, Jonah. And you know, so for, for us, as we, as we think about God's persistent love, here's just one kind of takeaway that I just wanna bring up to us is that we must let God's love shape our loves. We must let God's love, God's love for us. I don't know if you remember John says that we love because he first loved us. We, we must let God's love, his, his great love for us, his relentless pursuit of us, we must let his love for us shape our loves. And what I mean by that is the things that we love. And there's a lot of things that I love and there's a lot of things that you love. But what God wants for us is for the things that he loves the most for us to love also. And I want you to look back at verse number 10 and 11 here. The last couple verses of, of the book of Jonah, the Lord said this to Jonah. He said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and it perished in a night. He says that you you care about the plant, but this is, this is an indictment against Jonah. He says, you care about the wrong things. You care about the plant, but you don't care about the people. And he goes on in verse 11 to say this. He says, and should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons, who don't know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. He says, you care about this one plant that popped up overnight and it died in the night. Shouldn't I care about these 120,000 plus people who need my grace, who need my forgiveness, who need rescue? He says, Jonah, you care about the wrong things, buddy. You care about the plant. You should be caring about the people. And so what God says here is, man, I, I want you to care most about what, the things that I care about the most. And y'all, it's, it's okay to, to love things in your life. It's okay to, to care about good things that God has brought your way. But we've got to let God's love, his love for us in particular, that he came after us, that he pursued us. We've got to let that shape our loves the things that we love. And it, it ought to be more than just things. It ought to be people that were created in the image of God. That's what he called Jonah to. That's what he calls us to, is to be messengers of this grace, of this, of this patient love, this providential love, this persistent love. And, and, you know, as you come to the end of, of Jonah chapter 4, it kind of ends, um, it seems like abruptly. It just kind of, like, it ends. Remember I talked about a few weeks ago, cliffhangers? This is kind of like the end of this season's cliffhanger, but, like, there's no season two. 
And so you kind of ask this question, like, well, what's going on? What, what happens to Jonah? Because it ends with God speaking and God asking this question to Jonah. And we don't know what happens with, with Jonah. But here's, here's the reality. is that The title of this book, we call the book the book of Jonah, but it's, it's somewhat deceiving because the book isn't about Jonah. At the end of the story, the book is about God's pity. I don't know if you caught that. He, he said, you pity the plant. Should I not pity Nineveh? And that word pity, you know, sometimes we think about, oh, having pity on someone. The word pity means to, to, to look upon with compassion. And so the book ends with this question. This book ends with not really a question, but the, the reality of God's pity, God's compassion. We've been saying it all along. The point of this whole story is God's great love and relentless pursuit of sinful people. Nineveh repented. Jonah may repent again. I don't know. Maybe Jonah continues to be angry. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story, the, the, the exclamation point at the end of the story is that God is a God of pity. He's a God of compassionate love and forgiveness. You remember verse number two? Jonah 4.2, we've been reading it every single week of this series. Let me bring us back to it one more time. This is what Jonah said. This is, this is what Jonah knew about the nature or the character of God. He said, I, I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And so here's, here's the truth that we see from Jonah 4. Here's the truth we see from this, this whole book. Let me just wrap it up right here. The truth is that we are more like Jonah than unlike Jonah. It's easy for us to look at Jonah and be like, man, what a, what a disobedient person. What a, like, what a child that he would throw this tantrum. And all these, like the reality is, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest before the Lord, we're more like Jonah than unlike him. Aren't we? We're more like him than we care to believe. And yet, thank God, that God's love for us is just as patient, it's just as providential, and it's just as persistent as his love for Jonah. Amen? This is the point of the story. It's not about rebellion. It's not about running from God. It's about a God who loves deeply. His love never gives up and it never runs out. Aren't you thankful for that today? I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads? I want to just thank the Lord. Let's just worship him again today for this steadfast love. God, again, we want to say thank you for your goodness and your grace, that you are a gracious God and merciful, steadfast in love, abounding in mercy. And God, that you're relenting from disaster. We're just grateful that this is who you are that you are a perfect heavenly father, that you're always at work, that you're always pursuing us. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us as we, as we come face to face with, again, the truth of who you are, all that you have done in our lives. May your love for us, may your compassion for us shape the way that we love others. God, we need you today. We need your grace today as much as we needed it yesterday, as much as we'll need it tomorrow. And God, we're grateful that you were there in our yesterday, you're here in our today, you will be there in our tomorrow. And so Lord, as we worship you again today, we, we just thank you for this truth that Jonah's story is our story, that Nineveh's story is our story, that this story isn't even about us, it's about you and your goodness toward us. And so we just again want to open our hearts to you. We want to surrender all that we have to you. God, would you use us to pursue others the way that you've pursued us? We pray in Jesus' name.